0: Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friends are Aaron Jonah Lewis and special guest accompanist Grace Van Toff. We recorded this in June for Earful of Fiddle Music and Dance Camp over Zoom in front of a lovely Zoom audience. Earful of Fiddle, by the way, is a wonderful camp that's hosted some of my favorite Get Up in the Cool episodes run and attended by some of my favorite people you should absolutely go next year if you can follow them on social media and visit their website at earfulofiddle.com. stick around afterwards and i'll tell you how to keep up with aaron jonah lewis but first here's our interview and jam enjoy so, um, that's so fun on purpose. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Uh, Aaron Jonah Lewis, uh, welcome to Get Up in the Cool. Thank you, Cameron DeWitt. It's
1: great to be here.
0: Yeah. Uh, technically I should be saying welcome back to Get Up in the Cool because you are (laughs) one of the people in the mercifully small, uh, list of lost Get Up in the Cool episodes. Um, you... (laughs) You agreed to do an interview, like, within the first six months of me starting the show. I didn't know what I was doing. And I didn't, at that point, I wasn't even that familiar with your music. Um, and you played this amazing, I'm sure exhausting square dance, uh, uh, with the corn potato string band, uh, in Philly. And then we went to this random house and you pulled, uh... A banjo hanging off the wall, and you're like, "I'm gonna do, uh, I'm gonna do the interview with this," <laughs> and then we uh, played some banjo uh, uh, trios with uh, Ben Belter, um, uh, Lindsay—that's her name, correct? It's been a while since
1: I've yeah, seen Lindsay McCaw.
0: Yes, uh, she was sort of making her way in and out, and uh, I don't know if I told you, but at the time I had probably one of the worst sinus headaches I've ever had in my entire life, um, and so for. <laughs> for me not being able to like, uh, have any sort of, um, I didn't know what I was doing. And and also I was trying to play rags. And at that time I didn't even know what, uh, an old time music, like fiddle or banjo rag was. Uh, thank you for all that is to say, thank you for being willing to do this again. (laughs) Put yourself (laughs) at my mercy again. I promise not to, um, delete this one (laughs) or not, but I, I will post it.
1: Oh, great. Yeah. Cool. Well, no worries. Um, I, I know things things don't always happen right the first time uh, <laughs> and and we're we're making a, a promise to do a an in-person one as soon as we're capable yes. so this is a this is a placeholder this is halfway there yeah <laughs> although I can't there are wait, some but I will uh, for you know, the sake of, the, of safety there are some distinct advantages to this as well i mean i I really get bummed by not being able to have concerts in person um, and obviously canceling tours and plane tickets and everything like that um but when i do these online things i get to like i can do show and tell i can show you i I can show you my album i can show you the books that i learned from i can show you all my instruments you know it's it's all here like that's a lot of fun and i i don't usually get to bring all that stuff with me when i go on the road so i've been enjoying that aspect of this pandemic time there are some weird
0: few and far between perks to it yeah. Will you tell me about Banjoland? Spe- not the concept at large, but like what you just
1: played the piece. Yeah. Banjoland is where. Yes. Okay. I'll, I'll not talk about the concept at large. Um, I mean, you can if you want. <laughs> well, yeah, because that's that's conceptual, man. Like that's like um, that's like a place where we live, and I I know you've been there. You probably are there right now. I'm I'm always in Banjoland, uh, even when I'm playing the fiddle or mandolin or guitar. Uh, whatever's going on it. I'm in banjo land <laughs> um, it's it's kind of like heaven on earth you know yeah um, I actually have a whole story I've constructed around the tune the piece banjo land I'm not gonna use up all the time to talk about it right now but maybe eventually I'll make a comic book or a, a cranky show or something um, Oh, lovely because to me this music is pretty visual like when I started playing classic banjo music I was always surprised by the response people I people would really respond positively like they would really like much more so than when I played old time or bluegrass or jazz or anything else they're they're like really taken by it and a lot of people would say oh that sounds like silent movie music and I'm like yes well maybe it was I don't know I'm actually gonna do some some more research I've been looking into this kind of stuff actually um Cause I figured maybe not every town had a big organ or even a piano, and banjos were really, really common uh, around the turn of the century and the early part of the 20th century when uh, silent films were just becoming available as well. So it's not specifically silent movie music, but it's from that time period. Uh, and so to me, it's visual. It's there's there's a you know character to it. There's um you know like you you could hear in that piece there's this uh the the first strain is very kind of uh like a a jolly march uh you know and then um with a trick and then the b part goes to a minor key and it's like oh what's going on i'm worried uh you know is is everything okay and then it goes back to the first part and it's like yeah everything's okay so you know those kind of things you you get some uh you get some involvement in, in terms of a, a visual or a story. Um, but, yeah, a little more about uh, Joe Morley and classic banjo. Um, this was the music of the people. This was the popular music, um, in at least in the English-speaking world, in, in the U.S. and in England. Uh, it was hugely popular from you know the late 19th century up until jazz kind of took, took its place as the most popular music um, around the 1920s. Uh, it's, I I like to say it was more popular than rock and roll because rock and roll was restricted to youth and this was not restricted by age, uh, race or gender or class. It was kind of like the first sort of music that had ever transcended all of those boundaries and become that popular that, you know, rich and poor, like, it, things had always been divided into, you know, intellectual art music for the rich people, and folk and uh, you know lowly entertainment music for the for the common people, um, and and this music went it went to everybody. Everyone loved it. Um, Joe Morley was a, an English banjo composer. Uh, he. He uh, he was a prodigy at a young age. I, he had a bunch of things in common with Mozart, like that, which is why I call him Mozart of the banjo. Nobody else calls him that, by the way. I made that oh, up. Oh, I was it's, gonna say it's not like a, it's not like you'd be like Mozart of the banjo, and everyone's like, oh yeah, Joe Morley. Oh yeah, Joe Morley. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just made that up because of these uh, striking similarities. He's he's a child prodigy, um, hugely successful in his lifetime, and then. Um, and then died poor and buried in an unmarked grave, which it's just unbelievable that that could happen to Mozart or to Joe Morley. But um, big difference between them is people still know who Mozart is, and I feel like Joe Morley is is worth knowing about. Um, and he wasn't the first or the the um, the only um, great composer of classic banjo music, um, but he he was very prolific, like Mozart. He wrote. I think over 300 pieces and um, and every single one that I've heard or tried to play is just wonderful. It's like, it's made for the banjo. So it, a lot of banjo music was uh, adapted from piano scores sure. or, or other popular songs. Um, but there was also a lot of things being written specifically for the banjo. So mm. Mo- Morley was a banjo composer. Um, and then a little bit of a, a quick picture of where classic banjo fits in chronologically in, in the larger story of popular music. Please. Um, is so it's just so convoluted and, and crazy, but the, the banjo uh, was developed in the New World by people who had been enslaved and brought over from Africa and they they had their memories of the instrument the instruments I should say that they, they played. Or that they remembered, um, and these were obviously very important to them. Uh, because in the New World, there, or so-called New World, uh, they they went and you know, with without any free time or, or free anything, they had no freedom. Uh, they found ways to create these banjos, and um, there, I think there's a lot of power there. It's a it's a very uh, powerful instrument because of its history and because of its ability to bring people together uh, in, in grief and in joy. And, you know, it's, it's just an an incredibly versatile instrument as well. Um, so my, my brief, uh, summary, I guess would go like, you know, enslaved people create banjos. They, uh, they live, uh, in, in conditions, uh, without any freedom. They live, um, in plantations, but not only in plantations, they, they're, Anyway, the banjo is associated with the plantation, becomes associated with the plantation, um, becomes appropriated by white men uh, early on in the 19th century. um, The minstrel show is created. The banjo becomes an essential part of the minstrel show, not always as a musical feature as much as a comedic prop because the minstrel shows uh, weren't necessarily about uh, sharing authentic uh, African-American culture. As much as ridiculing and mocking uh, the those whom the white man feared, which which were the the African Americans, both freed and enslaved. Um, so the minstrel show is kind of where the banjo became really well known. It, it became known as a as an African American instrument, and um, gradually became appropriated in different ways to become more complicated and Adopt more sophisticated techniques uh, which led eventually to the development of finger style banjo what they called at the time guitar style banjo playing which uh, as opposed to banjo style which is kind of like claw hammer or like what you know minstrel style banjo playing which is a downstroke um, guitar style banjo would be with a finger picking like more like bluegrass Um, and uh, this led to the period of the uh, the rise of the classic banjo tradition, which was the first time in history that people were able to perform banjo music on a stage without the use of blackface makeup or outrageous costumes and song and dance routines, uh, and the banjo had arrived as an instrument that was purely musical. Um, yeah, not like a a
0: statement or. Um... A a punchline,
1: yeah, and I'm not saying that there was no racism involved because for sure people were still uh, exoticizing um, the the other, and um, and racism was still very prevalent. I mean, as it is now, but in different forms, obviously. Yes, sure. Um, I, I noticed that there are
0: some uh, ethnic imag- uh, imaginings in the titles of some of the tunes on the album that you made. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and yes, and I also like to point out that um, globalization was in its infancy, well, not really infancy, but it was so much, times were so different then. Um, you did not sure. hear the news from the other side of the world immediately, Uh, It would take, you know, weeks for for, you know, ships to travel across the ocean and things like that. So people's ideas about what other people were like and what other places were like were were very quaint by our standards, very naive. And and also pretty insulting, obviously, like by our standards, because because they they were ignorant and they also thought they were better than everyone else. You know? Sure. Um, That's a that's a that's the number one thing to watch out for in life and in people yeah. and in societies is thinking you're better than anyone else. It's, it's the worst. It leads to all the problems. It's the root of all evil. Yeah. Um, side Good note, word. obviously. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, maybe should I play another piece? I, I could, uh, yeah. What else should you play? With, with another Joe Morley piece. Um, I'm going to play a piece for you now that was, uh, has never been recorded and was actually only published about 10 10 or 20 years ago. I was looking for the original sheet music and I couldn't find it, but it was published by the American Banjo Fraternity. It's a piece that um, parts of it were published in other pieces that Morley wrote, but um, this is a piece that was put together and it was titled Walk Round and... uh, I love a, this. a walk round was the first track, right? Yeah, this is the first track. Yes. Uh, a walk round was um, a, a part of a minstrel show. It was also a part of a cakewalk. Um, sure. And the cakewalk was a, a kind of dance, but it also was like a whole evening's entertainment filled with, you know, a dozen or more more different dances that were done by different people in this kind of uh, prescribed script sort of a way. Um, so the walk around was the first thing that happened, which maybe that's why I put it as the first thing on the, on the CD. Um, and it's a slower dance, and it's when you basically just walk around. You do a procession, and it's like everyone's in their costumes, and you're, if it's a minstrel show, you're showing off your silly, whatever costumes, doing your funny walks. If you're uh, sure. at a cakewalk, you're showing off your fine, fine clothing, and you're demonstrating to everyone how much – you know how good you look and everything like that. You're Styling just on him. bringing it, bringing the energy. So, um, yeah. And and this is uh, this is a piece that did not have any piano accompaniment written. Uh, most of the pieces that Morley wrote and that other banjo composers wrote did have banjo accompaniment and or accompaniment for second banjo to play. Um, there's one piece on the CD that has got two banjos. Uh, ben Belcher's playing banjo accompaniment. Uh, And he and I have a CD coming up. uh, It's already recorded and mastered. I just don't know. It won't be released for a while because I still got to promote this first one. But it's 100% double banjo. (laughs) Uh, Oh, my God. I can't wait. Yeah. It's it's pretty lit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But uh, what was I going to say about the walk around? Um, Oh, right. So I wrote a piano part for this. And if you're lucky, uh, viewers, I mean, sorry, listeners to the podcast, Will hear your host Cameron DeWitt playing the, the piano part along with me. Yeah. So here Yeah, this. and if they're not le-
0: lucky, I'll just edit out that
1: part. <laughs> yeah,
0: <right. laughs> We will see.
1: <laughs> okay, this is Walk Around by Joe Morley.
0: I can see what you mean, like why people respond to that. I feel like the tune instructs you how to how to enjoy it, whereas like maybe a lot of old-time fiddle music, you have maybe requires a little bit of disclaiming. You know, like here's what's going on in this tune. Here's how to appreciate it. This is all just like the drama's written into the tune in a way that is very accessible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think so. I'm curious, um, so when I. To deconstruct the word cliche as not a value judgment, but as a. The, the idea being like a, 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 a musical idea that has weight already associated with it. Like, when I hear. I mean, what you're saying, like a, a silent movie, you know, like it, it brings to, to, these, to, to mind these ideas of these things we all kind of already understand through cultural osmosis. I'm curious, do you have any uh, concept of like, at the time, were these already musical cliches? Or were these being, or or these creating the
1: cliches that we now understand? Do you understand what I mean? Ooh, yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't really know, but I can only imagine that Morley was not coming out of nowhere. I, I sure. know there's a long tradition of, uh, of minstrel banjo pieces having been published and, and purchased. Um, there was already a lot of banjo in the popular culture. Um, and I think the melodic motifs were not coming out of nowhere either. Uh, probably his, his development, his contributions were more... Um, in terms of the virtuosic approach that you know really honing the you know what you can do with this style of playing um yeah and you know he was also a bit a bit later on in the game too like he uh let me see when like when was well walk around wasn't uh so he published a piece called georgia walk around in 1923 like he was you know, some of his stuff goes back to 1911 or you know 1915, but he wasn't he wasn't an early bird on the scene. You know, he wasn't like, uh, I, you know, I wouldn't call him Bach of the banjo. He's his Mozart. <laughs> He's like right there in the golden period. You know, sure. Um. So yeah, it, but I I do think that um. You know, he he existed in a a musical environment that generated a lot of uh or maybe didn't even create necessarily but um but made more popular and made more accessible a lot of these musical ideas that went on to become for us what you could say is cliche or just just ideas that you, you know you, they sound familiar it's like oh yeah i've heard that before um we all know, you know what, what this means <laughs> right Right, and I, like and I have had that yeah. happen where I play something for someone, and they say, like, oh, that sounds just like this other thing. And I'm like, yeah, but it came 80 years earlier. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not like this thing is, like, the lame version of that. It's like, right. this is the original, like, this is the old school version. Yes. Um, so, anyway, uh, the – the the next tune I'm going to play will be a ragtime piece, and I just thought I'd mention that you know I got into classic banjo through Curly Miller and Carol Ann Rose. Um, I met them at Clifftop, and uh, you know they they showed me this style of banjo. I was not impressed at first. I thought, why would you do that? Um, play nylon <laughs> strings without picks? Like that doesn't make any sense. I you know I also play you know steel string banjo with picks and it's like it's a lot louder and faster but over the years and especially through my uh friendship with greg adams i i became really interested in in learning more about this stuff and at first i thought that um classic banjo must be the um the banjo version of ragtime which Mm. is not totally untrue to say that but classic banjo predates ragtime Uh, as a specific form although the music that it's you know appropriating is the same it's it's appropriating ideas from african-american music and and minstrel show ideas I thought that banjo was the this was like the banjo version of ragtime uh, but actually it's more like ragtime was the piano version of this stuff this this kind of these oh my sounds God. were being developed before yeah. it was being played on the piano. Um, so I just thought that was interesting. You know, they also said, they also told me it's older than old time, which is kind of, a, that's a lot to unpack because um, yes. the label old time really wasn't used until the twenties, the 1920s. But of course the music itself, a lot of it is older than that. So, uh, Anyway, it's, it's a lot of intricacies to navigate, but uh, why don't we get into yeah. it? And let me welcome my my dear Grace Van Toff here. Um, she's gonna play the uke, and we're gonna play- Hi Grace. Frog Legs Rag by James Scott. I'll also mention that I made my own arrangement for this piece uh, in the original key of D flat. Wonderful. So here we go, Frog Legs Rag by James Scott. One, two. So the other one that w- we didn't play uh, was Maple Leaf Rag by Scott Joplin. Ah, I did, yes. I did just post a video of that to uh, YouTube and also to my Patreon in case anyone out there is looking to join more people's Patreons. I've I Now know, is the time. Yeah. It's a good – yeah. I'm posting yeah. so much awesome content. Just got to say. Um, but uh, – and also, yeah, if you're looking to buy a copy of my CD, you can find a way to do that from going to my website, Um Anyway, uh, I was also going to say something about Ragtime being the the music of, uh, it's another historical first, uh, that, that was by James Scott, who was, um, I don't have tons of information about him, but he was one of the... Very greatest ragtime composers, and he composed many many great pieces, um, some of which I also play uh, but uh, yeah it was it was the first it was the first music of the free african American um, yes which is is striking to to consider and it very quickly was also appropriated um, and and maybe not in the most offensive aggressive way like some other things because I think a sure. lot of the, the the white ragtime composers and players were were pretty respectful and, and in awe of the originators of it like James Scott and Scott Joplin they they got a lot of respect in their day obviously not as much as they deserved um sure because racism but um but yeah it's it's pretty cool to think about that and uh, ragtime is is still it's still popular uh among very very small but significant groups of people um yes i also maybe that i should i'm gonna put the banjo away now but i I thought maybe i'll uh just give a little perspective on the classic banjo again i said how it was the most popular instrument in in the world in the english-speaking world um 100 years ago and now it's all all but forgotten um there are literally hundreds of people in the world who play classic banjo. Um, I could count on one hand people who perform classic banjo music, and and none of them do it very often, including me. Obviously, no one's doing a lot of performing these days. But um, yes, yeah. So it's rare. It's it's unusual. Um, it is. Uh, it's very technical, and to me it's it's like the the perfect combination of every kind of element that's enjoyable in music it's 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 challenging it's very musical there's a lot of uh, story to it um, and yet it's also very accessible it's very easy to listen to it's very uh, well it's not always joyful it's, sometimes it's very melancholy but it's there's always something really tangible to hold on to with it yes. Um, so i guess that's my pitch for if you're if you're looking for a new banjo challenge consider a classic banjo it's very (laughs) rewarding um it's it's kind of like you know the difference between uh doing one of those like uh puzzles that has four pieces and doing a puzzle that has a thousand pieces like yes it takes a (laughs) lot longer to, to do it, to like learn a piece. But when you've done it, the feeling of accomplishment is great. So so if if this is like a real a real pitch to folks, like let's go back over like what, in
0: case someone actually wants to get into this that's listening, you need a, a nylon string banjo and to play it with bare fingers, right? That's key.
1: Yeah. Now, I wouldn't say that it's 100% like – there are people who play this music on steel strings with picks. Like, okay, you know, I I heard a recording of Jens Kruger playing a classic banjo piece on, you know, he's an amazing bluegrass banjo player, one of the really best in the world. Um, and he was doing this piece that's like pretty chill, you know, and he made it sound beautiful. So, but yes, if you want to participate in the traditional style then yeah, you ha- you need a banjo. It can be open back or resonator. You put nylon strings on it. If you want some string suggestions, contact me, uh, and I will be happy to send you some ideas. I've I've used a couple of different sets, and they've different characteristics. Um, the rest of it doesn't matter too much. Like I would recommend bridges by Joel Hooks because he just I just love the bridges that he makes for for classic banjo playing. Um, but you could try anything, you know, whatever you like. Some people prefer a wider string spacing. Some people prefer narrower. Um, but, yeah, the important thing is to get started. Um, I yeah. – and then, you know, what it's else – It's typically done
0: in, like, cl- what I've heard described as classic C tuning, right? Like, it's like – Oh, the, yeah. It's like standard G but dropped the fourth string to C.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah, so that's uh, the old school standard – so, yeah, it's just like what we call, what modern standard, bluegrass standard tuning, what, what classic banjo players call raid, raised bass tuning. Um, and then you, you don't necessarily need a teacher to get started. There's a huge, huge amount of resources available on this website, mm. classic-banjo.ning. Actually, I think if you type in classic-banjo.com, you'll find it. Um, I also strongly recommend this book. This is what I use when I'm teaching people. Um, there's a newer edition of this book. It's called Banjo Method or Five String Banjo Method by Frank Bradbury. Um, it's a Mel Bay book. There's a newer edition that has this and the second volume both in one book. So, um, you know, it teaches you how to read music. You have to learn how to read music in order to play this stuff for the most part. Like you can do a lot of stuff by ear, especially if you're incredibly gifted at, at doing that. But you'll still run up against some issues, and you'll you'll be like, man, this is just, I can't do it. Uh, I need to learn how to read music. <laughs> Does it have so. guidelines in it too
0: for um, like what position to play in and things like that? Yeah. This book.
1: Yep. Yeah, it takes you through you know the right hand technique, the left hand technique, learning to read the music, um, different patterns. Uh, you know, I started out learning bluegrass banjo maybe 20 years ago and then uh pretty soon after that started playing clawhammer and i thought that was it i thought that was the the banjo yeah. world it was like variations of those things um and i also you know i got into playing melodic bluegrass banjo which is like kind of like doing math problems it's pretty fun but it's not that impressive to other people who aren't also doing the same thing Uh, but it's cool um yeah and and i thought well that's it that's like the most complicated thing uh that i'll ever need to figure out uh and man (laughs) when you get into classic banjo it's there's just no patterns that repeat like there's you don't just do a thing you every bar of music is a new set of skills that you need to learn and I, I know maybe this is sounding intimidating, but it's like you break it down one bar at a time, one note at a time. You can do it. I mean, you can do anything. Just if you want to bad enough, you have to take the time and be dedicated. Um, and it's super rewarding. It's, it's really fun. <laughs> also, uh, if you it. do learn a couple tunes, you can go to the American Banjo Fraternity Rally, which which happens twice a year under normal circumstances. Obviously it's not happening now. Um, and that's where I've met some of the great, uh, friends and, and, you know, mentor types who have really given me a lot of inspiration and guidance and, uh, and background on the music. And it's like, I, I compare the American banjo fraternity and no offense to anyone who's involved, but I I compare it to like finding something like Hogwarts Academy where it's like, it's kind of hidden away. Right. But when you find it, it's unbelievable these people are super dedicated they know so much about what they're talking about and they've been doing it for a long time and they're eager to share it it's just no one has wandered it like i wandered in there and they're like welcome like you want to know about classic banjo great let's you know let's talk let's play tunes and and i brought some more people in and they were thrilled you know there's the last time i was at a rally we had like five new faces there and just for reference, like, there's typically about 20 to 30 people there. Um, yeah. Maybe including, you know, the the non-banjo playing support staff, like, of spouses and kids and stuff. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so it's not a big group, um, but it's, it's really cool. Like, everyone's, you know, just, they're just really into it. And it's really, anyways, now I'm repeating myself, but... No, I love
0: it. Yeah, I I like the motivational speaker like element that goes hand in hand. With <laughs> totally. Talking about classic banjo. I well, mean, I'm kind of I'm kind of I'm interested now. Yeah. Yeah. You got me.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it's a it's a sub sub subculture. You know. Yeah. Like you you think uh, you go to some place like Clifftop and there's like, I don't know how many. 10,000 people there. It never seems like it to me because it's so the way it's set up, it doesn't feel like a huge amount of people, but I've heard that it's like, that's around how many people are in and out of that place. And um, that's a pretty tiny amount of people in terms of, you know, how many are in the country and how many are in the world. But this is like, (laughs) this is really (laughs) a tiny sliver of a sliver. Um, And they're amazing people. Like they're so dedicated to music. They know, so much about the stuff that you I I didn't even know anything about it until you know until I met Carol Ann and Curly uh that began this slow but massive journey of of just Mm. discovery it's it's fantastic um so so you're gonna
0: play you're gonna play some non-banjo music for us but you've assured us that we will not be leaving banjo land right (laughs) it's gonna still be in banjo land but you're going to play some non banjo music. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and I wouldn't. You know, all music, any music, can be banjo music. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm just. I'm going to play the fiddle. Uh, I'll give you a little more background about me. I I'm not one of the these kind of players who came from a musical family and mm. grew up learning all the tunes that my family played. Um, mm. I love learning from those people. I've, I've got a a handful of them that I, that I call my friends. I'm lucky enough to, um, you know, my, my own, uh, personal musical Mecca where I've learned the most and, and that really had the greatest impact on me, uh, politics and, and things like that aside has been Galax. I've been going there every year since 2002, I think. And, um, that's, that's what turned me into a musician. Before that, I was someone who knew how to play some tunes. I knew how to play some music. But that is where it clicked, and that's where I be- began to understand what this stuff is. Um, because before, it was just kind of, I can play these notes. Uh, I guess it makes people happy. That's cool. But when you get to a place, could be Clifftop, could be Galax, could be you know any number of festivals, when you're surrounded by hundreds of people all just going at it playing tunes day and night something happens and and you begin to understand it in a way you can't necessarily put it into words um Mm. but that had the deepest impact on me and i i became instantly addicted to that feeling and i wanted to keep creating that everywhere i went that feeling of i mean i know it'll sound weird but inclusiveness but of like yeah like Let's play music. Let's make music happen. I don't care anything else about, you know, where you came from or what you think about stuff. I just want to let's play tunes. Is that a fiddle? Come over here and play it. Let's hear it. Um, Hmm. So I'm born and raised in Detroit, and I had violin lessons as a kid. And traditional music never meant anything to me. I didn't know anything about it until. A long time later, when I made friends with uh, this this person uh, who I'm still good friends with, um, he's from Virginia, and he said, hey, let's play bluegrass together. And I was like, I don't really know what that is, but okay. Uh, and then we ended up starting a band, and, you know, I just, with the band, we kind of went from bluegrass backwards in time, old-time music, jug band, blues, swing, you know, whatever. Like, just every genre of old stuff um we were exploring it um and that that band is the reason i went to galax for the first time Mm. i ended up going to clifftop because of people i met through that experience and it you know it all goes back to to aaron greenhood for me he's the reason i i met those people and ended up moving to virginia and staying there for 10 years um And then since then, you know, I left Virginia, I lived in a bunch of different places, New York City, Berlin, Germany. Uh, I lived in Maine for four years, lived in Nashville for a little while, and now I'm back in Detroit. And, you know, I don't have like a single genre of music that is like my people's music. Um, So I'm constantly exploring and uh, looking for community through music. You know, um, I'm excited to, to, to ha- I've, since I moved to Detroit, I've been teaching people to play old time fiddle tunes and claw hammer banjo and, and some classic banjo students too. And I'm just really excited about, you know, we, we've been doing square dances in Detroit for the past five, four or five years. And, um, that's been really successful. I've been, been trying to get people to want to like jam and like learn enough tunes that we can like have jams and stuff. Um. And we, there's a few people around who we do get together and jam sometimes. Um, but the square dances have been very successful um, until recently. <laughs> yes. Um, but <laughs> that's, that's my main thing. Even, even though classic banjo is kind of a solitary pursuit a lot of the time, it takes a lot of practicing, um, I still feel like my, my ultimate uh, goal with music is to bring people together and to you know to create meaningful community experiences um that are not just in passing or just one time but like i i'm really i think about it a lot oh by the way before i get into the next tune this book i just read this book sand talk by tyson yunkaporta i'm not sure if that's how you pronounce his name man i'm reading it again because it's amazing um for people, especially old-time musicians who are interested in the study of the transmission of oral knowledge, of transmission Mm. of traditions, um, this book is really important to to read, to think about these things. It also, mainly the the perspective in this book is that of an indigenous person discussing civilization, which is kind of a rare and unusual thing. Um, Historically, it's always been the "Quote unquote civilized people uh, examining and, and analyzing <laughs> and discussing the indigenous people from the civilized perspective, and here for yeah. for the first time you get the indigenous perspective on civilization, mm. and it's it's sharp. It's it's really it's really worth reading. Um, so anyway, uh, let me introduce the next tune I'm going to play, which is going to have yeah. Grace joining me Yeah. I got a,
0: um, I got a, a, um, a time warning from, uh, Bruce, uh, very recently. Um, so let's, let's do the tune and then we'll do like a real quick recap of like where to go to get all, to join your Patreon and like, et cetera. And then, uh, we'll, we'll, have the final tune after that. Sound good.
1: Yeah. Sounds great. Okay. Great. Great. We're gonna do the three-in-one two-step by the East Texas Serenaders. Oh, lovely! And, uh, I love this tune. This is a uh, th- this is kind of like uh, I, I'm pretty sure Curly played this tune and Carol Ann played this. This is reminiscent of them. I think of them a lot when I uh, when I'm playing. Yeah, so here we go. The three-in-one two-step.
0: Yahoo, <laughs> Yahoo! Indeed. Okay, I think we gotta um, we gotta go right into the last tune. But before we do that, um, so you have a Patreon where you're making awesome content all the time, and people should absolutely sign up for that. Totally. There will be a link a link in the thing. Um, Mozart of the Banjo, Joe Morley Project. That's available on your website. Uh, anything else you want to promote before um, we do this last tune?
1: Um just like world peace and oh god yes no i don't know yeah like i i don't sorry i don't have a final like aphorism or anything um (laughs) just be good that's that's it be good just be good good. i'll put
0: a link to that too
1: yeah um so yeah the the last piece we're gonna do i'm gonna have grace join me again um this is gonna be a piece by Fiddlin arthur smith who is uh huge um also a huge influence on me in a funny way like the first time i heard his playing i was like man that sounds like me but not like i'm like that good but like that's like what i want to sound like that's what i feel yeah. like when i play that's what i want to feel like anyway i felt like a real strong connection to his playing his sense hmm. of phrasing and his rhythm is so unique um and i love the con the combination of flashy and like country you know um yeah so anyway this is a piece of his like i i learned so many arthur smith tunes over the years because i just love them all um but this one i've learned most recently it's called freight train moan thanks so much aaron thanks grace thank you cameron thank you earful of fiddle yes it's in g yeah
0: Jonah Lewis's website at AaronJonahLewis.com that's Lewis with an E-W not an O-U and grab yourself a copy of Mozart of the Banjo The Joe Morley Project and sign up for Aaron's Patreon at Patreon.com slash AaronJonahLewis for exclusive content early access to ticket releases and lots of other cool stuff you can support Get Up In The Cool at Patreon.com slash Get Up In The Cool order a t-shirt bag, sticker or phone case at Get Up In The Cool's Teespring store Make sure to like and follow Get Up in the Cool on Facebook so you can see the video I posted from this episode and share it with the world. Visit pitchforkbanjo.com for my instructional banjo series. Check out my other podcast, Think Outside the Box set, available in all the same places as Get Up in the Cool. And remember, everything I just mentioned is linked in the show notes for this episode in your podcast app. That's all for now, friends. Thank you for listening. Come back same time next week to Get Up in the Cool.